Good morning, church. It's been a minute since I've been here preaching. I didn't realize it's been like a month. Um, so I'm glad to, um, I'm excited uh, to be preaching again and to be with you in this capacity. Um, so have you ever worked really hard to untangle something? Something knotted up, like um, a necklace or a rope or headphones. Oh my goodness. Why, right? Electrical cords, right? So I was in the gym the other day and I was working on this necklace and this older woman just kept coming back. She'd go to the bathroom, come back. You can do it. I'm still untangling it. She'd, she'd go, go get something, come back. She's like, you got it. I thought I would never get it untangled. Um, have you guys been in that place? Headphones. Oh my goodness. Christmas lights, Christmas lights, right? And then when you're done, how do you feel? Thanks. Oh, you feel relieved, right? And dare I even say a sense of freedom. Now, if that necklace that you just untangled, the headphones, those Christmas lights, those cords, that you just spent all that time untangling, would you go back and intentionally tangle them all back up? No, exactly. Now, what if this entanglement was something more personal or something more complex? There's a toxic work environment, a dysfunctional family system, an unhealthy relationship, our own traps of victim mentality, depression, negativity, abuse, gossip, consumerism, and judgmental pride. The Rwandan genocide. Would you go back and tangle that up again? The Japanese occupation of Korea the Japanese internment camps here on our land, Jim Crow laws, women unable to vote, banning interracial relationships, I wouldn't have my amazing husband, the Holocaust, segregated schools, children working in mines. Those things have, to some degree, have been been untangled, Would we go back and intentionally re-entangle them again? This is of the work. Um, there's work that happened, hard, painful work to untangle those things, right? There was a long suffering to the path of freedom. And if we were freed from the things that we were enslaved to, we would not intentionally go back It's like Harriet Tubman going through a tumultuous journey to freedom only to intentionally go back to slavery. No to the way, right? But the reality is that in life, people do go back. An abused person goes back to an abuser. An addict goes back to addictions. People go back to unhealthy relationships and jobs and habits and ways of thinking and ways of living out their theology 
and how they love or hate or include or exclude. This is what Paul has been getting at in this whole section of Galatians. Jesus' life and sacrifice and resurrection has freed us from striving to keep the 613 rabbinic laws that led only to sin and death. And the Galatians were falling into a false gospel by trying to keep the laws of circumcision by going back into that slavery. Not only were they trying to keep it, but they were teaching it and making other people do it. It expressed itself in alienation and judging and dehumanizing other people around them. Paul is writing in all caps, Stop it! You are freed, slaves, who are going back to slavery. Stop it! You are freed, slaves, now trying to enslave other people. The thing that you were just freed from. Stop it! You are a child of God who is loved. The heir to the kingdom of God. Act like it. We leave off. um, I didn't get a chance to listen to Pastor Wayne's sermon, unfortunately, because it didn't get recorded. But the last sentence of that, um, of where he left off, was, How I wish I could be with you now and change my tone because I am perplexed by you. It's that feeling of, you just got free. Why are you going back to slavery? So if you are able, can you stand with me with the reading of God's word from the New Living Translation, Galatians 5? Think. Oh, I have to turn this on. I'm a technological genius. I'm just kidding. Okay. Galatians 5. So Christ has... Oh, you're right. It's free. Now make sure that you stay free and do not get tied up again in slavery to the law. Listen. Paul, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you are trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you are trying to make yourself right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So freedom and slavery are multifaceted. 
There's the Christian freedom of law and sin and death. And then there's the Christian work that we're all called to do with Christ to be about liberation of the oppressed, wait for it, and the oppressors. I cannot be free if I am oppressing and enslaving others. Our work of our own liberation is deeply tied in also in the liberation of others. And then third, so the Christian freedom, the work we're called to do, and then third, our personal own work, the personal work that we have to do, and this is the part that Paul is really getting at, our personal work of risking everything to live in freedom and not be enslaved again. This is the work of Jesus done in us, by Jesus, and it is the work of Christ done through us, by Jesus. It is the work that has set us free from the entanglement, and the work that we are called to untangle others and stay untangled. Amen? Come on, y'all. This is some good news. Come on, give me an amen. All right. I haven't preached for a while. Y'all are out of practice. Okay, so Christ has truly set us free. It is freedom for freedom that Christ has set us free. Hallelujah. Yes. So that word freedom means the state of being freed. It means liberty. And Paul says, now make sure that you stay free, stand firm, have resilience. That word resilience is the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties, a toughness. Um, If anyone watched uh, Ali Wong and Randall Parks, Always Be My Maybe, anyone, anyone, no one? Okay, a few people, come on now. Okay, well, there's a song uh, that uh, Randall Parks sings. It's called I Bounce Back Like a Tennis Ball. So it's kind of like this is what it is. It's this resilience, this standing firm, right? It's a great song. You should listen to it. Okay, but this is the sense of like don't budge, don't be moved, don't be shattered by the things that shake you. Make sure you stay free. Be devoted to taking those weekly Sabbaths. Stay in the life-giving, life-changing word of God. Keep healthy boundaries, but love boundless. Do what you need to do to stay free. And what that is for me, and I think for all of us, is connecting with the one who set you free. Amen? If that is running, if that is drawing, is that talking to your spiritual mentor or friend, is it journaling, is it reading, the key to staying free is being honest and courageous and vulnerable. Now, some of you guys might see the irony that Paul, hey, Paul's whole point is that you don't have to do a bunch of Christian stuff in order to earn love, right? Yes, 100% yes. But having these practices, not requirements, but practices can keep us staying healthy and resilient and staying free and not getting knocked down or being able to get back up again. That's a song. But... There's another song. (laughs) 
if you are on shaky ground right now and your world seems like it's falling apart, get honest. Get honest and talk to God. Talk to someone to walk with you. I had a friend recently who wasn't able to do that and her life tragically ended. Talk to someone. You don't need to keep an image of having it all together. That is not what church is for. You can come and fall apart, and Jesus is your solid ground. You may not feel it now, but God will rise the ground up under your feet again. Stay free. Be resilient. And you may go through that wilderness. We all will someday. But stand firm knowing in the end that what happens at the end of the wilderness, my friends, is that the angels come and minister to you. Stand firm in your freedom. Be resilient. Paul says also, don't get tied up again in the slavery to the law. This is resistance, right? So we have resilience and we have resistance. Resistance is refusal to accept or comply to something, to attempt to prevent something by action or argument. Now, I come from a long line of swallowing sufferers, suffering swallowers. In Korea, we call this deep suffering Han. I swallow the Han but eventually it's got to come out, my friends. And it doesn't come out pretty. I don't like to throw up. So instead, I just get constipated. We hold on too much to toxic stuff inside. And you know what happens? It only poisons us. Now, it's got to come out. So it's either going to come out in a violent vomit no thank you, or constipation that's going to really hurt. We need to resist being stubbornly prideful in ways that don't allow us to really process our harm. Get help. Talk vulnerably with someone you trust. Do what you have to do to get to the flush. Our freedom is connected to our resistance against resentment. Our freedom is deeply connected to our resistance to resentment. Resentment is swallowing poison and hoping someone else is going to die. Our resistance is both from the temptation and the injustices of the world, but it is also the resistance of the stuff that comes up and boils up within our own sinful flesh. I drew this the other day, that in our resistance, what we resist is bitterness and revenge and violence and resentment and dehumanizing and slander and unforgiveness and hatred and division and self-righteousness. Don't get tied up again in slavery to the law, is what Paul writes. 
In this resistance of the negative, our resistance comes out in ways like joy. Joy, choosing joy, is a form of resistance that doesn't let despair have the last word. Amen? Resistance is weaning off the thunder and paying attention to the wind that whispers the things that my mom always says. I'm convinced that God loves our family. Resilience, stand firm in your freedom. Resistance, don't get tied up again in the slavery. And then Paul goes on to say that if you circumcise yourself, if you get tied back into this legalistic religion that's just about what you do and what you don't do to earn God's favor, then this is what you are doing. He says, one, you devalue Christ. Christ is of no value to you. The freedom came at a big cost. The crucifixion of God himself. When we go back to that slavery, we cheapen the cross. The second thing he says is that you separate yourself from Christ and you fall away from grace. It is grace that has set us free. Amen? Verse 5. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly await to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. Our hope for righteousness comes through the Spirit through practice and patience. This is the wait for it, wait for it verse. It is not the work for it, work for it verse, right? We need to see striving so hard for our approval from people, ourselves, and God. We are free from what others think and the harsh criticism that comes directly and indirectly from ourselves, from other people. Eagerly await this good promise, my friends, is a promise of God's holiness and justice. That is the same word as righteousness. Over and over again, Paul is saying the whole circumcision thing is dead now. New life has sprung up with the resurrecting power of Jesus. The old is gone, the new has come. Stop going back to the slavery and live as freed people. Your rule following don't mean squat. But there is one important thing. Wait for it. Wait for it. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. The NIV says, the only thing that counts, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. 
What this doesn't say is that the important thing is how much Bible you know, if you can explain really complex theology, if you have the best prayers. It doesn't say that your life is holier than thou and perfect and you keep yourself away from all of those bad people. It doesn't say that we have fancy degrees or fancy clothes or fancy titles or big bank accounts and fancy stuff and fancy houses and fancy cars. It says the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. Amen? Amen. This is how we know if you are free. It is by how you love. Galatians 5.14 says, For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Romans 13.10 says, Love does no harm to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Do you guys remember when Harry Potter first came out? Do y'all remember all those crazy Christian debates of, is Harry Potter okay? Is it sorcery? Teletubbies? Pokemon? You know, like we get into all of these crazy debates, right? About all of these things. What kind of music this person listens to? What is that person wearing? Do they have tattoos? Where is their piercing? Do they have rainbow fairy hair? I do. (laughs) Are they cussing? Are they smoking? Are they drinking? Are they legal? Are they illegal? They are just people God wants us to love. We are the people who are freed and are called and freed to express our faith in Jesus through our love for one another. We get so focused on what others and ourselves do and don't do. We should all over ourselves. We should do that. We should do that. That we are enslaved to it. And our slavery keeps us not just from us being free, but others around us being free. Our identity, as Wayne preached, I think, because I didn't listen to it, our identity is as loved children of God. Loved children of God. Deeply intertwined together with our identity as freed people. When we don't know we are loved, then we are enslaved and we do the same to others. Amen? Y'all know what that's like. I know what that's like. If I'm not believing I'm loved, then I become a slave to being unloved, and I treat others as unloved. When we know that we are loved, when we live life as loved people, then we are set free. And when we love others, we express we are freed people. This is the rooted history of West Hills Covenant Church. This is no new idea. The other day I was in um, the office. I was going through some files. I found this old school book uh, that had like some lamination and the the spiral um, binding stuff, you know, total old school. And and it was this book from Kent, Kent Aging of like the history and DNA and who is uh, West Hills. 
I uh, actually found a youth group picture of Sarah Johnson in there. It's pretty fun. These were some of the quotes back in the day, probably how many years, 20-something years ago, that described West Hills. No matter how difficult it is, people here are willing to wrestle a bit with the hard issues. We still struggle to seek God's guidance instead of simply following tradition. There's a feeling of freedom, a room to grow, no one controlling me except God. There's, we are creative, articulate, and not bound by tradition. This is a community where hurting people can heal. This is a very caring church. This is who we are. We are loved and set free people who are sent out to love and set others free. Amen? Someone I think about who did this well is Jordan Disco. Jordan lived hard and lived fully. He was somehow full of measureless love and infinite wonder. And all of this came from a deep love for and by Jesus. Jordan was a free man, a free spirit, some would say. I know that because his faith was expressed through love. He wasn't enslaved by legalistic Christian rules of what to say or dress or act. It took this one and wild, precious life to be a bouncer at the Wonder Ballroom for the last eight years. To kick it with the rock climbing crew, the rock squad, which you'll hear from today. To be a faithful worshiper of Jesus in this church. He was not a chameleon that changed colors with each different group. Jordan was free to be himself. He was unashamed of Jesus with his non-church crew, and he was free to share his full, unfiltered self with all of us. Jordan had an insatiable thirst for deep conversations about faith and love and who to love and how to love and life that seemed like he had a bottomless awe of the Creator but what was always seemingly satisfied with his depth of relationships, always out of a faith, expressing itself through love. Jordan wasn't enslaved by man-made rules that were fake and meaningless, but he lived for that one thing that counted, expressing faith through love. My friends, I feel in my own humble opinion, that today as we celebrate Jordan, we also get to carry on that spirit. Jordan is going to bring in hundreds of people from every nook and cranny, and I love it. And we get this opportunity to express our faith, to love those that Jordan loved. There's also going to be incredible music. (laughs) 
Jordan somehow always felt like the secular and spiritual world didn't have a divide, but really just a bridge. Um, there wasn't a wall. But we were the ones that made that up. I pray that you come. I pray that you're blessed. I pray that even if you didn't know him, that it would make you think about how and who you love. I hope it changes our church to reflect that way. Freed people lift up others. They encourage, they bring joy, they sit in the suffering and pain. Freed people are inconvenienced for the sake of the gospel. Freed people can keep loving when it's hard to love unloving people because their worth and their value is found in a free Jesus, not an enslaved Jesus. Amen? Freed people are able to free from worry because they know Jesus will provide and Jesus is good. Freed people don't have to control or manipulate other people because they know God is in control. Freed people don't need to seek revenge, and freed people can set boundaries when they are being mistreated because expressing love and liberation is also for the oppressor. Freed people need not to get in battles and wars online that offer division and hate. Freed people see people others don't see. They leave their positions to sit with the unseen. Freed people listen to pain without needing to be a savior or to fix or to say the right thing, but just express a comforting presence that they've received from the God of all comfort. Freed people can go back to being a slave for Jesus because their freedom is so deeply entangled and intertwined with a fierce love that won't quit. Freed people can love those who are outside, queer, from all economic, educational, documented statuses, because Jesus said when he started his ministry, he opened the scroll to Isaiah 61, and he said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, to recover the sight of the blind, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Amen? Freed people are free from judgment from Christian people like you and me. <laughs> that they can hang out with sinners and prostitutes and people who voted for this or that because Jesus said, love your enemies and even love even more those who don't do really nice things to you. Freed people can speak up to power about injustice without fear knowing that God's policies of love are never failing. Amen? My freedom isn't wrapped up in this world or follows what this or that person thinks, even the Christian celebrities. We know they fall sometimes. My freedom is wrapped up in a Jesus who expressed his faith through a fierce love. Amen? That is the one thing that counts. 
freed people know that they are loved. And we don't need to win the approval of someone else's love. We don't have to constantly be critical or complain. Freed people are so secured in being loved that they don't have to put other people down. And then they don't have to internalize all the put-downs. Freed people forgive and offer mercy, even when it's not given to them. Freed people love and know the value of the cross and Jesus' sacrifice. Freed people are wowed by God's grace. It is for freedom that Jesus set you free. Don't cheapen it. Live free. Stay free. Do not go back to slavery and express that faith and that freedom through your love. As we prepare for communion, I'd like to um, uh, pull up, uh, bring the worship team up and invite you guys up. But I want to kind of do a little check as we prepare for this space. The question is, is, am I living as a freed person or an enslaved person? Is my faith being expressed in love or not? So I kind of took four different areas. Our posture, our posts, our position, and our practices. It's our heart, our words, our mind, our actions. Brian, can I ask you to maybe do some piano? So as you just sit in this safe place of God's arms, the God who loves you, the God who knows all your stuff, who knows your pain, your struggles, the things you wrestle with, you can be honest. You can say that hard thing to God, that honest thing. Is your posture towards X, Y, Z, whatever it is, an expression of God's love that sets people free or does it enslave? Do your posts, your words, are they an expression of God's love that sets people free or enslaves? Does your position on XYZ, your mind, the way you think, an expression of God's love that sets people free, or does it enslave? Do your practices or your policies, your actions, what you do, are they an expression of God's love that sets people free or do they enslave?
when we know we are loved and when we know that we are free, then we will be people that will also participate in God's liberation of others. And when this happens, when we allow freedom to ring, when we let it ring from every part of Portland, we will be able to speed up that day when all God's children, black, brown, and white, women and men, Jews and Gentiles, Republicans and Democrats will be joining hands and singing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last. Amen.